ವಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೋರಮರ್ದನ So we are studying the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, which is a unique chapter, very poetic, very awesome, um, where Sri Krishna shows the cosmic form of God to Arjuna. Um, now, it's mostly poetry. There isn't much instruction there. Uh, it's a very uh, vivid description of what Arjuna saw and what he felt like. So what is it that he saw? First of all, this experience itself. Um, a question may be asked that um, was it knowledge, understanding, or was it a different kind of experience? It was clearly a different kind of experience because if you see the descriptions of it, which is so vivid, which is quite different from the way we experience the world. So he, Arjuna, is seeing something amazing there. And then he's overcome. First he's overcome by awe. Then comes uh, fear. And then finally a feeling of great devotion and surrender. Now, why does this question come, whether it's a, it's a new kind of knowledge or it's a d new kind of experience? It's because when Arjuna asked for that uh, for this uh, God, this God experience, cosmic form of God, Krishna said, "Divyam dadami te chakshu." I will give you a divine eyes. Now, eyes are meant for seeing, but in um, in Vedanta, in Indian philosophy, seeing darshan also means philosophy, understanding, and uh, the eye of knowledge. So definitely, he got some knowledge. And, but that led him to an extraordinary experience. Why I'm saying all this is one monk explained it very nicely. He um, gave a very simple example. Something is written, suppose something is written in Sanskrit, in the Devanagari script. Those who cannot read Sanskrit, for them there'll be just black marks, you know, on a page or on the wall of a, of a monastery. For those who can read it, it immediately makes sense, conveys some meaning. You recognize the letters, you recognize the word, you understand something from it. It's something like that. Suddenly, this whole experience which we are having, Arjun also has that. Seeing people, the space and time, this entire world, and oneself. But we see it in a fractured way. And we are seeing only this much of it. And then we don't see the rest of the world. We, see, we go through this world little by little. Arjuna saw all of it at once. And saw it all integrated into one being. That was what's, what was so amazing, awesome. I've explained it in one way last time um, that uh, the different conceptions of God, I explained it last time, uh, individual. There are some people who think God is exactly what my texts, my tradition tells me. So Krishna is God according to the Bhagavad Gita. And that exactly is God. In this form, this name, and this, uh, these stories, This is God. Then uh, the next level of understanding would be, not only Krishna is God, all forms in which we worship, it's not only Krishna, but also Rama, and also Jesus, and also um, for us, Ramakrishna, Jaitanya Mahaprabhu, and, and the, all the inc uh, incarnations of God, they are all God. And also 
the way in which God is worshipped in different religions, uh, as the Father in heaven or the Allah of the Muslims, the Jehovah of the Jews, um, multiple uh, ways in which we Hindus worship as Narayana, as Devi. This is the Devi Paksha, the time when God is worshipped as the Divine Mother, Durga. So that's another conception of God. You can see the two conceptions. If you have that higher conception of God, in that case the various forms will all be the same God. But because God is infinite, God can appear in many forms, in the male forms, in the female forms, beyond gender, beyond human forms, no forms, formless, same divinity. And then one more higher, one step further. That same God is also this universe. And I, I won't go into the details of this. Last time we discussed it. Material cause and efficient cause. The material cause like wood goes through the effect also. Table is made of wood. So wood is the cause. And where will you find the cause when you see the table? In the effect. The effect is the table. Where will you find the wood? Here itself. You'll say, Swami, you are explaining it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's one way of looking at it. What was, then what was Arjuna seeing? He was seeing that, that third conception of God. God not only in one form as Krishna, which he always anyway was seeing, not only in one form as Vishnu, Narayana, whose avatar Krishna is, but also as this cosmic, this universe. And remember the question, how is this universe God? Somebody can ask the simplest questions and most direct questions. Universe is universe. How is it God? That's the problem with pantheism, you know. When you say everything is God, if you mean by that chairs and tables, human beings and um, animals and plants and trees and planets and stars are all God, that might be a cool thing to say. It's also silly. Why? Someone might, the simple uh, refutation of pantheism might be, you are just taking this universe and giving it a new name, God. What difference did it make? Here is the universe. I call it a universe, I call it a world, I call you man, woman, um, known, unknown, uh, old, young, uh, human, animal, plant. This is what I call you, I call this self, I. This is what we call this. And now you are calling it God. What, what is the point in it? So, not in, in, in that sense. Um, so, you know, there is one underlying consciousness associated with this universal appearance, which we don't see at all. We are not in just seeing this universe and this is God. No, not in that way. Is actually seeing all this entirety as one being. So that's one way of looking at it. Another way would be from the Mandukya Upanishad perspective. In the seventh mantra of the Mandukya Upanishad, uh, Om is explained as God. So what is the explanation of Om? The three letters which constitute, three sounds which constitute Om. A, U, Ma, Om. Now, a uh, is this waking world, your this world, this world itself, and you the experiencer of this world. Altogether, this is known as a. Uh. And then there is the dream world, you and all your dreams, all of us and all our dreams. And then the causal world, the deep sleep world, where everything shuts down in blankness. So the first one is a. Uh, the second one is U. The last one, deep sleep world, is M. M. You pronounce it together. Om. What should come into your mind? This experience and all my dream experiences, 
and all the blankness, the deep sleep of, of blank, basically nothing, what is called the seed state, all of it, basically our entire experience of life, phenomenologically, from your own, from your own perspective, not from a third-person perspective, from your own perspective, the entire gamut of our experiences of life. And that will include all sorts of altered consciousness, whether you are in meditation or you are high on weed or whatever, yeah, uh, whatever, or somebody is in, in um, anesthesia, somebody is in coma, all of that, all those experiences, they're all experiences. The entirety will be covered by the term Om. That's the meaning of Om. But the real meaning of Om lies beyond Om, the silence which denotes the underlying one consciousness which appears as all of this. Now in this Om, what is this which Arjuna is experiencing? Arjuna is experiencing the A, the first letter. Pure consciousness with the power of Maya, with the cosmic mind and with the cosmic body. I'll repeat that. Pure consciousness. Atman, Brahman, Turiya, whatever you call it. With the power of Maya. What is it called? Ishwara or Bhagavan. With the cosmic mind, what is it called? Hiranyagarbha, the cosmic mind. With the cosmic body, which means the entire universe and all beings, everything together as one um, being. That is called uh, the, this Virat in the Mandukya or Vishwarupa, which is the uh, 11th chapter. That's what Arjuna is experiencing. All right. Now we are going to read fast today. It's poetry, we'll appreciate the poetry, nothing much to explain. Um, we, I've seen Gita teachers and monks tend to race through these parts. The reason is they're very eager to get to the 12th chapter and 13th chapter. If you're interested in bhakti and devotion, then 12th chapter. If you're interested in the jnana, the knowledge portion of it, the philosophical portion of it, then 13th chapter. These are all very fascinating things and people are eager to get there. That's why they tend to race through it. So we will do a little bit of racing through today. So what happened last time, the 14th verse? Tatasa vismaya vishto rishta roma dhananjaya pranamya shirasa devam kritanjali abhashata. Sanjay is narrating all this to Dhritarashtra, the, the king. And he, he is narrating what Arjuna saw. Very dramatic. And then he says, Arjuna now spoke these words. What did Arjuna say now? That is going to be narrated. Uh, Arjuna with his hands folded, uh, attitude of prayer. What happened to him? Vismaya Vishta, stunned. He's stunned. See, Arjuna knew, he was a very confident man. He was a, a powerful warrior, the hero of his age. He also was very learned. He knew himself, well, you know, I know it. I know Vedanta. I've heard all the YouTube talks. I mean, there were no YouTube at that time. <laughs> so, he was quite confident. But when that experience of the universe as one connected being, as one being came to him. He was stunned. He was shattered. Vismaya Vishta, stunned. And then, Rishta Roma, every hair on his body standing on its end. Therefore, with bowed head, Shirasa, no, Pranamya Shirasa, bowing down, lowering his head, with his hands folded. For the first time, without any reservation, Thou art my Lord. And then he narrates what he is seeing. So the next 17 verses. 17 verses is just a poetical narration by Arjuna of his own experience. Verse number 15 onwards. 15 onwards, the next 17 verses. You can repeat after me. Arjuna vacha. 
पश्यामि देवान्स्तव देवदेहे पश्यामि देवान्स्तव देवदेहे सर्वांस्तथा भूत विशेष संघान सर्वांस्तथा भूत विशेष संघान ब्रह्मानमीशम कमलासनस्थम ब्रह्मानमीशम कमलासनस्थम ऋषिंस्चर्वान उरगांस्चदिव्यान ऋषिंस्चर्वान उरगांस्चदिव्यान Arjuna said, "In your body, O Lord, I see all the gods, as also all the hosts of various beings, up to the highest being. Huh? Who is that? Brahma, the ruler, seated on his lotus seat. All around them, all the heavenly sages, the heavenly serpents, and etc. So he's seeing all kinds of divine visions he's having, and all together in one being." even these mystic experiences people have of one aspect of divinity he's having it all together in one being extraordinary so he says oh lord in your body i see all the gods so uh, in hinduism we have gods means devata gods with small g not capital g god so these are the deities in charge of various parts and powers of the universe all of them they are all part of the cosmic mind hiranyagar <coughs> all devatas in hinduism which we worship the vedic gods all of them taken together constitute the cosmic mind hiranyagarbha i see it all in your within you and up to brahma who is brahma the creator of the universe seated on his lotus seat so brahma brahma has uh, a couch so he's sit, sitting on this lotus seat but if you see that remember the iconography vishnu lord vishnu he has a couch too which is the cosmic serpent uh, sheshanaga the thousand hooded serpent and on that vishnu reclines and then what is the um, uh, iconography a lotus blooms from his navel and on that lotus brahma appears looking rather perplexed where am i what happened <laughs> and what has happened the universe has been created anew and so brahma has been given the contract to create the universe god is the creator of the universe but god is a kind of a couch potato <laughs> so he's always sleeping and when he wakes up it's time to create the universe and the actual work is done by brahma to whom um, god gives a kind of subcontractor yeah um so all of that i see my lord the heavenly sages um and the sages means the first enlightened beings who appeared in the mundaka upanishad we are reading the first mantra brahma devanam prathamasambhuv vishvasya karta bhuvanasya gopta of all the gods the first to appear was brahma exactly what he's saying here but then what happened and brahma is the creator of the universe and protector of the universe sa brahma vidyam sarva vidya pratishtham adharvaya jeshta putraya praha having created the universe one more thing which brahma does he passes on spiritual knowledge he transmits spiritual knowledge of the upanishads the vedas to the first born which is atharva which is a, who is a heavenly sage so this is what he means means here heavenly sages of many heavenly sages are there they receive spiritual knowledge from god you might ask do they receive it from god or from brahma so from brahma but brahma is borrowed it from god he it's just in god's library so he just borrows the book and hands it over to 
Here, this is yours. And teach humanity. Then the next one. Number 16. Anikabahu daravaktranetram. Anikabahu daravaktranetram. Pashyamitvam sarvatonantarupam. Pashyamitvam sarvatonantarupam. Nantam namadhyam napunastavadim. Nantam namadhyam napunastavadim. Pashyami vishveshwara vishwarupa. Pashyami vishveshwara vishwarupa. I see you with many hands, bellies, mouths and eyes, possessing infinite forms on every side. O Lord of the universe, O you of universal form, I see, however, neither your end nor middle nor your beginning. So, all of us, everything in the universe has a beginning, birth, creation. And then a period of limited existence. Our lives, what we call it, continuing. And then an end. Death. Destruction. It could be an insect. It could be human beings. It could be the very stars and galaxies themselves. Beginning, middle and end. But the Lord has no beginning, middle and end. Always exists. Always exists. Always is. Nantam namadhyam napunastavadim. Another sense of beginning, middle and end is in space. This is in time. Beginning in time, middle in time, end in time. There's no beginning, end and middle for the Lord. Because actually the Lord, it's not that there is time and God exists within the Lord. Is, is it getting hot? Can you switch on this fan? It's right behind you, the switch. Yes. All right. And this one too. Yeah. Okay. We wouldn't want, want the audience to suffocate. All right. Um, but in space also, no beginning, no middle, no end. It's, all, it's everywhere because all pervasive. Because it's not that there is time and God is something that lives throughout time. When we hear the word eternal, we get sort of the sense of, oh, it lasts for a really, really, really long time. It's not like that. Time is within God. So whatever happens in time, that's within God. God is beyond time. Therefore, God has no beginning, middle or end in time. Similarly, God is beyond space, and therefore God has no beginning, middle, or end in space. Space appears in God. Space is an appearance in God. Um, there are stories. I mean, the, each of these things have many, many, many stories. If I start telling those things, uh, then we will never get to the 12th chapter. But just one story to lighten the mood. Beginning, middle, and end. So one day, there was once there was a great... Um, competition between the three deities, Brahma, Vishnu and Maheshwara. Who is greater? Who is greater? And then Shiva, this is, this is from the Shiva Mahimna Stotra. Shiva transformed himself into a pillar of fire, Analaskandhava Pusha. It's in the Shiva Mahimna Stotra. A pillar of fire. No beginning, middle or end. Just goes on, up and up and down and down. And uh, so the competition was whoever can find the limit. So Brahma and Vishnu were in competition. So they wanted Shiva to judge. And Shiva said, all right, those who can find my limits, 
the one who can find it will 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 be the winner will be the greater so brahma got on his each of them have their own suvs you know brahma has a swan got on the swan and he flew i'll i'll take the up let's find out what's up there and vishnu uh, flew on garuda and he flew down um so there is up and down in the universe <laughs> and vishnu traveled and traveled and traveled he couldn't find the bottom of shiva there's there's just fire and fire all throughout he gave up finally he traveled back up and brahma he also traveled on and on and on but he found no top but then decided to cheat <laughs> so he went back and said i found the top of, of shiva uh, and uh, <laughs> um so uh, vishnu also uh, came back and vishnu said no i i didn't find the bottom so i guess brahma is one but shiva knew the truth and he exposed brahma saying that you lied because there is no beginning no middle or no end of the ultimate reality um so that's the story and uh, shiva also said to brahma therefore you will never be worshiped uh, that's the story because you lied so there's a deep meaning of this that lied means in the sense that you did not realize the true nature of the divine you know you do not know and therefore poor brahma is not worshiped in india except pushkar there's one big, big temple there but otherwise generally brahma is not worshiped for such an important deity is not worshiped in hinduism so this is one story there are many many stories there was a there are variations to this story also there was this little plant what's the plant i forgot the leaf what leaf a particular flower or something yes what's the, i forgot the name of the flower ketaki ketaki yes so there's a flower and brahma said you have to be my witness you have to tell uh, vishnu and shiva that i told the truth and the ketaki flower knew that he had brahma had not told the truth so he acted as false witness <laughs> and so shiva said and you the flower you will never be used in worship ever <laughs> so there are any like variations to this story anyway stories and stories but the point being anantarupam you you are endless you are beginningless and endless you have no beginning no end in time therefore you are eternal you have no beginning no end in space therefore you are all pervading and all of that somehow arjuna was seeing actually number 17 kiritinam gadinam chakrinam cha kiritinam gadinam chakrinam cha तेजोराशि सर्वतो तेजोराशि सर्वतो पश्या दुर्निरीक्षतालाकद्युतिमेयतालमर्कद्युतिमेय i see you all around with the diadem mace and disc so the iconography of vishnu you know these are the uh, the ornaments and the weapons that vishnu holds a mass of light resplendent on all sides blinding with the effulgence of the blazing fire and sun and immeasurable amazing the language the sanskrit itself you feel the 
the radiance of which is sort of shining through the words itself. We were just reading in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna that day. Sri Ramakrishna said, when Rama, it is said that when Rama, in the Adhyatma Ramayana, when Rama walked into the court of Ayodhya, it is as if a hundred suns rose together. Then Sri Ramakrishna asks, so if a hundred suns rose together, why didn't all the courtiers get burnt up? It's a question that a child might ask. Even one sun is so hot, especially in India. So if a hundred suns rise together, how come everybody doesn't get burnt up? And then Sri Ramakrishna ex uh, explains, it's not a material light. It's a jorona, it's not a material light. It's the light in the hearts of all people. The lotus of the heart bloomed. So our spiritual heart, it blossomed in the presence of Rama. And then what happens to Sri Ramakrishna? When he says, says that the lotus of the heart blossomed, he went into samadhi. His face radiating joy and light, it became as still as a picture. And in that samadhi, his heartbeat would stop. Uh, Dr. Mahindranath Sarkar tested his eye, eye that reflex, you know, touched his eyeball. No, no reflex. It's just like being a dead body. And yet, you know, radiant. And everybody around would feel it, would feel. They wouldn't see it, but they would feel that upsurge uh, of uh, uplifted emotion and inspiration. Sort of a divine presence, they would feel it. That's what is the blossoming of the lotus of the heart. Um, that's what makes life meaningful. Even a little bit of it makes life meaningful. Absence of that, and in the absence of that, no matter how much material prosperity we have, health and wealth and people all around us, it's all ashes to ashes, you know, dust to dust. It'll all go away. It's void, empty. Then number 18. Tvamaksharam paramam veditavyam Tvamaksharam paramam veditavyam Tvamasya vishvasya param nidhanam Tvamasya vishvasya param nidhanam Tvamabhyaya shashvata dharma gopta Tvamabhyaya shashvata dharma gopta Sanatanastvam purusho matome. Sanatanastvam purusho matome. You are the imperishable, aksharam. The supreme, paramam, the thing to be known, veditavyam. You are the supreme resting place of this universe. You are the undecaying and the preservers of the eternal religion. I regard you as the primeval being. Tvamaksharam. You are the Imperishable. That's the term used for the absolute. Mundaka Upanishad we are studying. Is the higher knowledge and the lower knowledge. Paravidya, paravidya. What's the lower knowledge? By which everything in this universe is known. All um, science, religion, art, language, whatever we know in this universe. All branches of knowledge. Lower knowledge. Then what is the higher knowledge? Parayayata daksharam adhigamyate. The... Um, higher knowledge is that by which the akshara, the imperishable is known, the absolute is known. Who is the absolute? He says, my, my Lord, you are the absolute. Then paramam, the supreme, the higher. Veditavyam. What are you, my Lord? You are that which has to be realized, that which has to be known, the point of all of life and existence. God realization is the goal of life. What is the purpose of religion? God realization. What is the goal of human life? God-realization. Sri Ramakrishna put it so simply. The goal of human life is God-realization. 
we may debate about it so much. What are human beings? What is the point of life? Is there at all any point? And more sophisticated you are, and the more you belong to the Manhattan jet set, you will, you will take pride in saying, there's no point to life at all. <laughs> it's only the silly people who believe that there is some purpose or point. There is a point to it all, point to all of this existence. It is God realization, enlightenment, whatever you call it. And civilization has always known it. Every religion knows it. Every religion sets this forward, whether you call it nirvana or moksha or finding the way, the Tao, uh, or uh, salvation, whatever you call it. Every religion intuitively discovered this, that there is a point to it all. And Swami Vivekananda, Sri Ramakrishna put it very simply. The goal of life is God-realization. It is possible, we can, we need to, we must. None escape it. You say, Swami, only a few of us have turned up. There are millions of people out there. They are not interested. Yes, but they will be interested one day or the other. And the wiser, the sooner you are interested. I'm not saying you just have to come to the Vedanta or the Gita. Spiritual life in whatever form. There are many, many forms of spiritual life. That's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of maturity. Veditabhyam, you are the thing to be known. And on this, Advaita Vedanta will take, take it one step forward. Spiritual life says that God is to be known, God is to be realized, God is to be fine. Vivekananda, um, when he was in Thousand Island Park with his a choice group of just 12 students, in the records, in the inspired talks, that book, um, it said, Vivekananda would again and again say, Find God, find God. In the end, it all boiled, boiled down to this. Find God, God, that is all that matters. Find God, that's all that matters. You may not even believe in God. See, I'm a Buddhist, I don't believe in God. All right. Um, you find nirvana, enlightenment, Buddha nature. And then, Tomasya Vishwasya Param Nidhanam. You are, the, you are the end of this universe also. Not only the creator and the preserver of this universe. From you the universe has come. So in every religion, uh, God is known as the, the religions which talk about God, the theistic religions. They all see God as the um, creator of the universe. One characteristic of God in any religion would be the creator of this universe. And that which from which the universe derives its being. It's not just Vedanta, even Christian theology holds it to be so. God is that from which the universe derives its being. But also, here he says, it is the end of the universe. At one point, all of this will come to an end. Where? In God. Just as every wave will, uh, every wave will um, merge back into the ocean. What is the resting place of the wave? The ocean. Where did the wave come from? The ocean. Where did the wave exist? In the ocean. Where did it go back? Into the ocean. So you are the end of the entire universe. So that sounds very sad. Oh, the universe will end. No, it will begin again. Don't worry. <laughs> so the Hindu idea of the cosmic cycles. There are endless cycles of this universe. Advaita Vedanta takes this one step further. You are the one to be realized. Veditabhyam. You are the one to be realized. Advaita Vedanta will say, realized and what will that do, do for you? It'll, you will get fulfillment, you will transcend suffering, you will attain um, fulfillment and transcend suffering. Attain bliss and transcend suffering. 
then Advaita asks you, if you realize God, how will you transcend suffering? You will realize God is amazing. If you're an American, you'll say God is awesome. That's all right. But then how will you transcend suffering? It's because when you realize God, you will realize you are that. That limitless being, I am. And therefore, I am free. Tattvamasi, you will realize that. Advaita Vedanta will say that. Others will just say, you find God and that's it. They will not go so far as to say, you and God are identical. If the universe ends, what about you? Can God end? He says next, Tvam Abhyaya Shashvata. You are without decay, you are eternal. You are beginningless, endless. So God will not come to an end. God doesn't have a beginning. God doesn't have a middle. God doesn't have an end. And when the universe comes to an end, God does not come to an end. And then another function of God is the teacher of spirituality to humanity. The preserver of spiritual knowledge and the transmitter of human of spiritual knowledge. Dharma Gopta, protector of religion. Sanatana Dharma. That's why Hinduism, we call our religion Sanatana Dharma, eternal religion. In the sense that there is this original spirituality which comes from God. And it flows through various channels. So this original spirituality is uh, uh, Sanatana Dharma. Today, in today's world, we can call it Sanatana Dharma, you can call it Hinduism. But this idea is, again, I was amazed to discover, it's not um, pe peculiar to Hinduism also, just, just Hinduism. In Hinduism, it has a very benign form, that this original spirituality is there, eternal, and it manifests in every creation, in many, many religions, as many religions. But I found in Islam also this idea is there. There is in one original religion. What is that original religion? It, of course, is Islam. So everybody is actually Muslim, just they don't know it. <laughs> so, but uh, the idea is there. This idea is there, except that it becomes a little uh, narrow and aggressive there. But the idea that there is an eternal religion which comes from God. Then next. And then Arjuna says, Purusha Matomi, you are the Purusha, spoken about in the texts. Purusha here, uh, we, was, we were again reading in the Mundakopanishad, if you remember, Shankara's commentary. Purusha means two, two things. Puri Shayanatiti Purushaha. Um, one is this, that it is everything, Purnam, everything. It includes everything, therefore it's Purushaha, because it's complete, the entire universe, as Arjuna is seeing now. But also, Puri Shayanat, what does that mean? That which rests in the city with the nine ga uh, gates, the body, this body. In this body is embodied the spirit. And that is one with God. So the Purusha has two meanings. One is the cosmic meaning which Arjuna is seeing. And one within each of us, the self. Then number 19. Anadi Madhyanta Mananta Viryam Anadi Madhyanta Mananta Viryam Ananta Bahum Shashi Surya Netram Ananta Bahum Shashi Surya Netram Pashyami Twam Deepta Hutasha Vaktram Pashyami Twam Deepta Hutasha Vaktram Swatejasa Vishwamidam Tapantam Swatejasa Vishwamidam Tapantam I see you as one, again, with no beginning, middle or end. 
of infinite prowess with infinite arms with the sun and the moon for your eyes and the blazing fire in your mouths scorching this universe with your radiance it's another very beautiful verse you have no beginning middle or end not only you are limitless in time and space but you are also infinitely powerful there's no limit to your power infinite prowess and that's symbolized by what the infinite arms ability to do and not only the ability to do the ability to know your your eyes are the sun and the moon with the sun and the moon as your eyes sashi surya netram so basically describing a cosmic person you know so the sun and the moon are the eyes and so on and so forth in purusha suktam you will find in the vedas this kind of description is taken from there actually then number 20 ृष्ट्वाद्भुतमुग्रेद लोकत्रयम् and this is also evocative you fill up the space between the heaven and the earth you are in the earth you are in the heaven and in the space in between heaven and earth he feels everything is filled up by the uh, this divine being um i mentioned a similar experience which vaikuntanath sanyal had um on 1st january 1886 so sri ramakrishna had this power which uh, krishna demonstrates here to transmit this experience sri ramakrishna had the power he this is was he did it again and again most well recorded and evidently on 1st january 1886 he was already very sick with cancer in kashipur in the garden house there in calcutta the other devotees were taking care of him narendranath vivekananda was there holy mother was there that day was a holiday so a lot of devotees had come to visit him and they took him for a walk outside in the gardens and there's a particular tree there the original tree is gone but the location is known he stood there he asked the devotees you know some of you girish ghosh and others say you all go around saying i am an avatar of god what have you seen in me that you think i am an avatar of god and girish ghosh he bowed down there and he said him whom even vyasa and valmiki could not describe so vyasa is the one who is writing all this you know who could not describe what will i say about him and i consider you an the incarnation of god so sri ramakrishna went into samadhi and then he blessed them and saying that what else can i tell you what else can i give you what else can i tell you be enlightened chaitanya hook be enlightened and he touched girish and others the moment he touched them all of them went into samadhi the moment he touched each one of them later on they were asked what did you experience because they they went into samadhi they 
some of them sat down right there, went into deep states of meditation. Others uh, started chanting hymns. Uh, some came, ran forward and w put flowers at his feet and worshipped him. Some s began to dance in joy and la burst out laughing. So like, like a m group of madmen, something spread through them. So for example, Vaikuntanath Sanyal, most of them they repeated, they said that uh, they had the experience of, the, of God as they worshipped God. In whichever form they worshipped God, they had experience of God in that form. Vaikuntanath Sanyal was one of them. Um, years later he was asked to write down his experiences on that day. And he said, the moment Sri Ramakrishna touched me, I saw Sri Ramakrishna everywhere, pervading the sky and the earth, exactly this language. Pervading the sky and the earth. It's like he's covering everything. And how it is, we don't know. How can a uh, thin man with tall man with a beard be covering the sky and the earth? But anyway, that's what he saw. And wherever I looked, I saw Sri Ramakrishna. Close my eyes, I see Sri Ramakrishna. I open and see everywhere is Sri Ramakrishna. Although I'm seeing the world also. See, this is why it's, it's knowledge and an experience. He's seeing this entire world in the person of Sri Ramakrishna. Um, I'm not saying that Vaikuntan Sanyal had this experience, the Vishwarup Darshan, but something like that, because the description is like that. And he said, it did not stop. That day when I went home, on the way to, to my home through the streets of Calcutta, it was always, all the time, day and night, outside, inside, everywhere is lit up by the presence of Sri Ramakrishna. He goes back home. He cannot sleep all night long. He passes in ecstasy. By the third day of this, <laughs> he began to get scared. He can, I can neither sleep, nor bathe, nor eat. I cannot do any work at all. I am just overwhelmed by, by waves and waves of bliss. But they turned into fear. He says, I'll go mad this way. And then he prayed. He said, I prayed to Sri Ramakrishna, what you have given me, please take it back. Immediately disappeared. The whole thing disappeared immediately. And he says, so many years since have passed. What came back in its stead? Just the old life. Yeah, the old life. Ups and downs of life. Yeah. So many problems. So he asked uh, Sri Ramakrishna that, uh, no, uh, later on uh, he writes that. So years later, now I think, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> because at most what would have happened? I would have gone mad. I would have died. But that's all right. <laughs> this was a tremendous thing. But he says, now I still have a clear memory of those three days. And uh, whenever I recall them, I, my life is like I, I carry on with the memory of those three days. This is how I live my life. All it is that experience of these people is that this is a, a window, window into a reality which, which exists. We need not feel, well, they have got the experience, they're lucky, we don't have it. But the, the reality is there that one God underlying this universe is right there, right now, even if we don't feel like what they, what they saw. In some ways, it's good we don't feel that. <laughs> oh, laid off. What happened? He became enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> Can't meet deadlines anymore. So space betwixt the heaven and the earth is pervaded by you only as all the quarters. In every direction, he says, I see you. But the whole world is now fearful. The world, he trembles. Arjuna feels uh, 
terrified. Ami hitvam surasanga vishanti. Ami hitvam surasanga vishanti. Kechid bhita pranjalayo grinanti. Kechid bhita pranjalayo grinanti. Swasti tuktva maharshi siddha sangha. Swasti tuktva maharshi siddha sangha. Stuvanti tvam stutibhi pushkalabhi. Stuvanti tvam stutibhi pushkalabhi. Verily, these hosts of gods are entering into you. Some being frightened are praising you with joined palms, while the bands of great sages and perfected souls uttering the words peace are praising you with numerous hymns. These are actual experiences. Swami Abhedanandaji, uh, is a young boy, Kali, and he used to Kali Prashna, he used to go to Sri Ramakrishna for lessons in yoga and meditation. And he, had, he was a mystic. Even from his young age, he used to have these experiences of various divine beings. One day, he had this experience, amazing experience, and he came back and he narrated it in detail to Sri Ramakrishna. He said, last night when I was meditating, I saw in this very, I never had such a deep meditation, and I saw these hosts of divine beings, including the great rishis, sages, all with folded hands, praising you. In the center of it, you were seated. And Sri Ramakrishna said, You have experienced the Vishwarupa, this one. After this, you will not experience the individual forms of um, the gods and goddesses. So these things actually happen. These are experiences open to all of us also. Hosts of gods are entering into you. Many are standing with hands folded, praising you. Almost exactly the description that young teenage boy gave Sri Ramakrishna. So, and Sri Ramakrishna said, this is Vishwarup Darshan. <laughs> this also shows, by the way, that Sri Ramakrishna is an avatar. So avatar is, is the incarnation of God. So if all the gods and divine beings are part of that, it shows exactly the same thing, what Krishna is demonstrating here. Number 22. Rudra Ditya Vasavo Yecha Sadhya. Rudra Ditya Vasavo Yecha Sadhya. Vishweshvino Maruta Shoshma Pascha. Vishweshvino Maruta Shoshma Pascha. Gandharva Yaksha Surasiddha Sangha. Gandharva Yaksha Surasiddha Sangha. Vikshante Twam Vismitash Chaiva Survey Vikshante Twam Vismitash Chaiva Survey The Rudras, the Adityas, the Vasus and the Sadhyas, the Vishwadevas, the two Ashwins, the Maruts, the Mains, the Gandharvas, the Yakshas and the Asuras and the bands of the Siddhas, all these are verily looking at you aghast. So all the various divine beings. Number 23. Rupam Mahate Bahuvaktra Netram Rupam Mahate Bahuvaktra Netram Mahabaho Bahubahu Rupadam Mahabaho Bahubahu Rupadam Bahudaram Bahudangstra Karalam Drishtva Bahudaram Bahudangstra Karalam Drishtva Loka Prabhyatita Stathaham 
Lokaprabhyatitastathaham O mighty armed one, seeing your great form, consisting of many mouths and eyes, many arms, thighs and feet, and many bellies, and fearful with many tusks, the worlds are awestruck, and so am I. So that's fear. So when we were kids, we used to have these comic books, Amar Chitrakatha, with stories of all sorts of stories. And I still remember this picture. So they literally drew it, uh, like a human figure with many, many heads and many hands and many... Uh, and so they threw in a few tusks like boars and stuff like that also. They were quite a, a horrible picture <laughs> and <laughs> terrifying. But the basic idea is not that he's seeing this kind of an extraordinary, terrible creature. What he's seeing is the entire universe in one, yeah. in, in one being. But he says, Loka prabhyatita, the words are terrified. And then he says, Tathaham, and so am I. I'm scared too. Then number 24. Nabhas prisham deeptam anekavarnam. Nabhas prisham deeptam anekavarnam. Vyattananam deepta vishalanetram. Vyattananam deepta vishalanetram. Drishtva hitvam prabhyatitantaratma. Drishtva hitvam prabhyatitantaratma. Dhritiṁ na vindāmi shamaṅca viṣṇu Dhritiṁ na vindāmi shamaṅca viṣṇu O Vishnu, seeing you touch the sky blazing of many hues with gaping mouths and large fiery eyes, I am frightened at heart and I feel neither fortitude nor peace. Navas prasham deeptam This is the, do you know what this is? Uh, they, this is the motto of the Indian Air Force. It means touching the sky with glory. Yeah. Literally, if you trans uh, translate it, it means uh, uh, the sky, uh, sky ablaze with light. Yeah. The blaze of light touching the sky. Navas prisham, navas sky, prisham touching, deeptam, blazing with light. So the Indian Air Force took their uh, motto from here. Navas prisham, deeptam. It's a beautiful uh, poetic way of touch the sky with glory. There's a very beautiful poem by um, Yeats, uh, one of the greatest poets um, in the First World War. He was he flew one of those early um, biplanes in the in the you know in the in the First World War, fighting against enemy plane. Um, he writes like that: that in this lonely sky between heaven and earth. Uh, a very beautiful poem. This lonely fight to the death with the other other opponent who's there, you know. Um, with so, if I find it sometime, I'll if you remind me, I'll I'll get it. I think it's Yeats or who is it? I don't know. Short poem about flying and fighting in the sky in uh, in the First World War, in those rickety old planes. Yeah. O Vishnu, seeing you touching the sky, blazing of many hues. So he says, I am terrified and I am shaken to my core. Number 25. Dangstra karalani chate mukhani. Dangstra karalani chate mukhani. Drishtveva kala nalasannibhani. 
दिशो न जाने न लभे च शर्म दिशो न जाने न लभे च शर्म प्रसीद देवेश जगन्निवास प्रसीद देवेश जगन्निवास सीइंग वेरिली योर माउथ फेयरफुल विथ टीथ एंड ब्लेजिंग लाइक द फायर ऑफ डिसोल्यूशन आई नो नॉट द कार्डिनल पॉइंट्स नॉट डू आई फाइंड प्लेजर O Lord of the gods, O abode of the universe, be merciful. So he wanted this. Now he's saying, "I do not find pleasure. I don't like it. I am scared. I am terrified." In in the front of this this vastness. So we are spiritual. We are seeking spiritual experience. We are glad to know that God experience is possible. But whether we are ready or not, <laughs> that's another thing. What will happen to us if you're even given a drop of this? Somebody said, putting a million vo uh, volts in a, uh, you know, five volt bulb will blow your <laughs> fuse. That's why sometimes great masters, though they are capable of inducing these experiences, are hesitant to do so. people can lose their mental balance i have seen this happening um i've seen friends monks who overdid it pushing for spiritual experience working very hard i know this monk swami nirvanananda ji who was a disciple uh, who was the sevak of swami brahmananda he was the vice president of the order he had these powers and i know another monk a great orator very learned person and who knew that swami nirvanananda had these powers swami brahmananda had at, at the day, day of his the moment of his passing if you read the life of swami brahmananda the, the last day last hour of his passing he blessed people around him and swami nirvanananda who had served him for many many years he called him at the end to his bedside and said you have served me faithfully in this i bless you in this very life you will realize brahman you will become enlightened in this very life later on in life somebody asked him people asked him have you what happened did you realize and he said yes yes i did re did realize and i have heard him say that somebody put a tape recorder one of those old cassette tape recorders under the bed and pressed record and asked him i have heard that recording <laughs> so have you realized brahman have you realized god and he says yes and what do you see and he says i see everything they making them know that that tape <laughs> <laughs> recorder <laughs> the recording here yeah. i see everything <laughs> anyway not that it's relevant but it's um, it takes a different kind of mind an expanded consciousness for example i've heard this from numerous people about this swami this swami nirvanananda ji he had a very distorted sense of space and time um he didn't seem to operate in the same space and time he would it would be like he is spread out across space and time he, in order to talk to us he ne needed to contract pull himself back to here and now to interact with you because when you would go to him he would seem lost you know like he is somewhere else so small things it happened again and again in those days there was a huge power crisis in calcutta those who know calcutta in the 70s uh, early 80s when the Uh, metro construction was going on indefinitely going on and on and on i don't know those people who have stayed in calcutta in those days i've seen it in my childhood there would be endless power cuts you know power outages 
So they had what we used to call in India emergency lamps, little fluorescent tubes with a battery. So somebody had given that to use in the Swami's room. And uh, one fine uh, uh, evening, the Swami is saying, didn't you switch on the emergency lamp? And the others around, monks around, who said, but Swami, this electricity, this full of low room is full of light. And that Swami who said this, he then he left the room. He was, I know the room where it, this happened. He was going down the stairs. As he stepped out of the room, going down the stairs, the whole monastery was plunged into darkness. And he rushed back carefully, feeling his way back into the absolutely pitch dark room. And he switched on the light and he said to the Swami, how did you know? And the Swami said, I saw it. And this he saw again and again. I've heard so many stories. I mean, I don't know how many. Um, for example, here is one. The thing is, these things are getting recorded, so they'll be uploaded anyway. <laughs> I've heard this, and uh, it's uh, verified by the people who were there. So there's a Swami from the United States in those days, long time back, it was decades ago, uh, who was traveling back to India to the monastery there. It comes from him. So Swami Nirvanandaji, the story is that, and this comes from the people who attended to Swami Nirvanandaji in his old age. Um, the one way to make him, he didn't follow the normal routine anymore. He might be awake all night or something and then not get up in the morning like all monks do. So the, there was uh, the attending Swami who was trying to you know, get him, make him uh, get up and respond to him. And said, uh, Swami, what are you doing? What happened last night? And uh, Swami Nirvanji said, oh, um, Swami Brahmananda came. Uh, he, he would say Rakhal Raja, which is a very sweet way of referring to Swami Brahmananda. There's a whole story behind it. Rakhal means the shepherd boy of Vrindavan. And uh, Swami Brahmananda was known as, his, his name was Rakhal. And Sri Ramakrishna saw him as one of the companions of Krishna in a past birth one of the shepherd boys of Vrindavan, so Rakhal. Another name given to Swami Brahmananda in our order is Raja, Raja Maharaj. And so Swami Nirvananda used to combine both, Rakhal Raja, the shepherd king. So he would say, Rakhal Raja, he came, to, he came last night. Of course, in his vision or his dream or whatever. And this young monk sort of, you know, am amused way, he said, oh, he came, did he? What did he say? He said uh, to me, uh, Shudji, his name, the Swami Nirvananda's name was Shudji Maharaj. Shudji, have you... Have you, have you been to Japan? And I said, no. Then come with me to Japan. Oh, really? And then what happened? He said, we went to Japan. So, <laughs> oh, I see. And uh, then, well, we went to this huge place, this enormous shop. So this was long before there were malls in India. Enormous shop. It was obviously a mall. And, uh, and then what happened? And Rakhal Raja told me, is there anything that you need? And I said, no. And uh, he said, no, take something. And I said, I picked out a pair of uh, slippers. You know, uh, what do you call flip-flops here? Oh, and then what happened? Well, then I came back with the, with the uh, slippers, and we came back. And then the young monk said, now I've got you, Swami. Where are the slippers? If you come back with the slippers, you must show me. <laughs> Where are the slippers you got from Japan last night? And the Swami said, oh, it's there. It's there. He said, no, but you must show me. Oh, it's there. And uh, so an hour passed, and the Swami was uh, up and receiving visitors. Now at that time, the Swami from America who had gone, and that I'm not taking the name, he's still there, he's our <coughs> senior most Swami living now, 
um, he had gone and he came in to meet Swami Nirvanarandaji and bowed down to him and said, I have come from the United States. Oh, I see. And uh, Swami, we had a layover in, a, in Japan, in Tokyo, and had a few hours. Um, and I went last night, I went out into the city and uh, or in the airport itself, you know, there was a shopping complex. I thought I'll buy you this very comfortable pair of slippers. And <laughs> I gave it to him. And the attending monk was with his eyes as big as saucers. <laughs> And and the Swami was like, see, see. <laughs> and there are many, many such stories. I mean, it's quite amazing. I have met people who would talk to Swami Nirmananda. They al always they said this thing that he he seemed to be in other times and places, and he would make an effort to come back to you and actually see you here and now. Um, anyway, all this in uh, aid of. So this uh, monk who told me the story. He was a very learned, very powerful orator. He knew all these powers of Swami Nirvananda. And he went to Swami Nirvanananda and uh, bowed down to him and said, just as Swami Brahmananda blessed you that you will realize Brahman, please bless me, put your hands on my head. And you know what Swami Nirvananda, he took it seriously. He said, I can, but you lose your head and then people will blame me. You'll, you'll go mad. I can. I can give you that if you want right now. But you'll go mad and then everybody will blame me. And this, this monkey felt so scared he bowed down and he, <laughs> he didn't expect a positive. <laughs> it's not every day that you go to someone and say, show me God. And say, all right, I'll show you. Come. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So we were on verse number twenty-five. All right, we'll stop here. And pick up our fast study of these verses. I've actually heard a teacher say that. Look, you all, um, two monks gathered there and some devotees. I'm going to race through all of these because we must get to chapter 12 and 13. The good stuff. No, but I mean, I don't mean that. I mean, this is also good stuff. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu